welcome to Hashtag Skinthusiast, the podcast, a place for listeners to hear from the experts and soak in tangible tips to get that glow from the inside out. I'm Amy, a skincare educator, practicing dermatology PA, and beauty creator who bridges the gap between you and the industry. Listen in to the industry's top experts on everything from the best way to spot treat a pimple, which skincare ingredients we shouldn't be mixing, to the drugstore finds that are better than luxury price tags. We cover it all. Here, dermatologists, skincare experts, brand founders, and thought leaders will share their tips and tricks for all things beauty, skincare, and wellness. Think of hashtag Skinthusiasts like a coffee chat with the beauty gurus whose brains you've always wanted to pick. You won't get this kind of insight anywhere else. Your best skin is coming soon. If you're a skin enthusiast, this guest needs no introduction. Today on the pod, we have Susan Yara, former beauty editor, content creator for over a decade, and the founder of viral skincare brand, Naturium. This episode is packed full of skincare advice and honestly, really great life advice. Susan is one of the most inspiring and hardworking people I know. Each time I have the pleasure of talking to her, I leave feeling excited about the possibilities, and I hope that you get to experience a bit of that today. Just a little note, the audio in here gets a little crinkly, but honestly, the information that we talked about was so helpful. I wanted you guys to hear it regardless. When I thought about potentially re-recording this, I knew that I wanted you guys to hear it exactly as is, so nothing potentially got changed in the re-recording. I promise it doesn't hinder the delivery of the information, and you're going to love this episode. Okay, Susan Yara, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. And I know my audience is too, because I got so many questions when I mentioned you're coming on. So I cannot wait to chat. I'm so excited for these questions, first off, and I could not have missed your podcast. I'm really excited that you got one started. I'm excited. Okay. So one of the first questions that I ask every guest is what is your earliest skincare memory? My earliest skincare memory, I've, I've actually talked about this several times. So if, pe- if people have been following me for a while, they've, they've heard the story. But when I was 12 years old, my mom looked at me and I, I was going through puberty at that time. I'd started my period when I was 12 and my skin, I was, you know, like just getting blackheads everywhere. The oil was starting. And my mom says to me, it's time you get a real skincare routine. Up, up until then, I'd been like messing with drugstore stuff, right? Like Seabreeze and like barely <laughs> washing my face and all that. So my mom took me to the clinic counter and she gave me a three-step system. So I was like a number two system for years, like almost all through high school, I was on clinic. So that is like my first, first memory. It's so funny because that's actually a lot of guests' first memory is the clinic three-step system. And mine is actually, I had a friend whose mom, I don't know if you remember, but clinic would always give you those like gifts with purchase if you spent over a certain yep. amount of money. And my friend's mom would spend so much money at clinic that she just had drawers and drawers of those like gifts with purchase. So whenever I would go over, it's actually funny. So we would like trade because my mom would let me buy all these CDs that that, did, that had like the parental advisory sticker on it and her mom wouldn't. So I would burn her these CDs and in exchange, she would give me this like clinic skincare and makeup. So it's With so- a little bad yes, too. That, that was always the best part. Yes. That was like so exciting, especially as like a 12 year old. It was like the most exciting thing to get that little bag full of mini makeup and skincare. But I also had yeah. a three step system. That was like my first true skincare routine. Yeah. Wait, did you, so you were around 12 also when you were getting into skincare? Yeah. Yeah, about about that age, yeah, because I was in middle school. I remember that, and I remember 
just sitting at the clinic counter, they had like their white coats on and you took the little test, the little quiz, and then it gave you whichever skincare routine. And I would display it on my counter and the little bar with the plastic holder, the skincare bar. Oh my gosh, it's so funny to think about, but I loved that. I know. Well, you know, so because I was such a loyal Clinique user, I used it all through high school. My mom, you know, obviously my mom actually continued to use it even until a couple of years ago. I had to like push (laughs) her to a Naturium routine because she was so committed to her Clinique routine. But because she was such a loyal customer and I obviously was with her half the time when I was in college, my first skincare job was at the clinic counter. Really? Because those ladies knew me, knew my mom, they knew me and they hired me when I needed a job. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That is so funny. So you would, you would create these little, these little routines for people or or help them pick. Honestly. Yeah. It was one of the most ridiculous things ever because the goal at the time was to sell as many products as possible to a customer that would come up to you. And so, you know, and like the training was like, there wasn't that much training, right? It, the goal was to sell product. And I remember distinctly the, the moment that I was like, that this isn't the job for me because um, a woman came up and she was telling me about all these skin issues. She told me all the Clinique products that she had already purchased and was using, but she was still dealing with X, Y, Z problems. So I told her, I think you need to get rid of X, Y, and Z and just use this one product. And she was like, so happy that I told her this. I simplified it. And then she bought this one product and she left. And my manager comes up to me and she goes, you had the opportunity to sell her eight products and you didn't. And I, I just remember thinking that she didn't need those products. I almost thought it was causing the issues that she was talking about, right? And so, you know, it just became, it was, it was definitely, you know, I loved, I loved those ladies. I really did. But it just, I just realized that wasn't, that wasn't for me. And so I actually went off to win Miss New Mexico. I actually remember I was saying to them that I was going to co- go compete at Miss New Mexico. And they're like, oh, okay, well, have fun <laughs> doing that. Like, and then I called them up and I was like, I want Miss New Mexico. I'm done. Bye. I'm going to go to Miss America. That is so cool. I, what About what age were you when all this happened? Um, I was 22 years wow. old when I won Miss New Mexico. That is, it's yeah. like so young and it's, it must have been such a cool experience for you. Yeah, it was. It was. I made some of the best friends that I've, I still to this day talk to. And, and one of my best, best friends who's like my soulmate was actually Miss Nevada. So it was a really oh, great experience. that is so cool. So aside from the clinic counter and then going on to compete in Miss America, what kind of got you here? What was, what's been your journey to get you to this point to be such a successful content creator and now a brand, brand owner, brand founder? And, you know, I'm going to, I'm starting to come up with like the Cliff's Notes version of my story, but really I started off in broadcast journalism. I wanted to be a news reporter, hard hitting news, you know, all that stuff. And I, I went into that for all of college. I was working like, you know, working at beauty counters like Clinique. I worked for Aveda as well, but I was also working at the news station. The news station barely paid me. Some of those interns, some of it was internships and some of it was like, minimum wage at the time, I think it was like $7 an hour or something. So it wasn't actually making me any money, which is why I also worked at the beauty counters because those were like commission jobs at the time. So I kind of did this little combination. I went into broadcast news right when I graduated college. I moved to New York City. I was a News 12 news reporter. And after all those years of working in news, I realized I hated it. I just, it was so depressing. All the stories were so depressing, all of it. So I just, um, I took a job at Forbes magazine. And at the time they were starting something really revolutionary called Forbes.com. People hadn't really seen any publications go online. So it was this whole new thing. Everybody was trying it out and they really wanted me to work on their lifestyle team, talking about really cool lifestyle trends, especially like 
fun things that billionaires do with their money, which is like amazing. You know, I was like 23 or 24 years old at the time. And I was just like, wait, this was like a whole new world for me where I got into lifestyle basically. And we were also starting the Forbes video network, which was one of the first like online, you know, video platforms. There wasn't even like YouTube was around, but it wasn't even owned by Google at the time. So this was like, and we still, I think we were dealing with like some dial up internet, oh my gosh. right? So like, so like you can imagine the video quality was pretty rough. Like it was just, it was rough. Like you can't even find my videos online anymore from those days because it was using a whole different kind of platform. Like it just that doesn't so exist crazy. anymore. Those servers don't exist. Nothing. Um, anyway, so when I was at Forbes, I got the opportunity to also dabble in beauty and you know, it was like focused on just lifestyle as a whole. There was a lot of wellness that I had to focus on as well. But then I got to dabble in beauty. I got to learn about skincare. I really got to just like, I got to realize that this was something I was much more interested than I, that I, than I thought. And I realized also there was an opportunity here where I could just make my, my career all about beauty. And so I went from there to People Magazine. I worked at People Magazine for about five years. And so it was like a combination of celebrity news, but with celebrity news, especially at the time, it was all about their beauty habits. What products are you wearing? Who do you see for your facials? Who's your hairstylist? Who's your makeup artist? All of that stuff, right? And because of that, it like further propelled me into, into the beauty space. And then after that, I took, I started taking specifically beauty editor roles and it just kind of went from there. It sounds like beauty kind of found you. I mean, even at a young age working at Clinique, like it really just kept, it kept kind of coming up for you. It really did. And, um, and you know, I, I remember being at the Aveda counter, you know, I worked at an Aveda salon. And so one of the the things that they would offer, like anytime a person came in for a haircut or, you know, to get their hair blown out, any, any kind of hair treatment, they would send them over to me to get their makeup done. I didn't know how to do anyone's makeup, but I had so much fun doing it. I would put makeup, I would do all these different looks on people and they would be so happy about it. You know, even though I was like, so sometimes funny. I look back on some of these looks and I probably wasn't doing them the best, but, um, but it was so much fun. And I remember thinking that that was the most fun job I had ever had, but I just didn't see a career in it. So it was, you know, it was kind of amazing to have these two points of my life kind of intersect and then become that career, you know? So after that, after I, my last publication I was at was New Beauty Magazine. I had started YouTube channels and video networks for different publications. And then after New Beauty, where we focused a lot on, you know, like cosmetic treatments, worked with plastic surgeons and dermatologists and, um, and had a, an older demographic and older, meaning like thirties and forties, you know, I realized that there was this need to serve that demographic online on YouTube, right? There was, there was like nothing out there at the time. There was only, um, you know, like young girls sitting in front of their cameras in their bedrooms doing mm-hmm. calls, you know, I just, it just didn't, it didn't really resonate with anyone my age at the time I was like 31, 32. And then, um, I was like, you know what, I think if we create highly produced video content, talk about treatments like Botox, which at the time, it's crazy to think this was not that long ago. People weren't being transparent about things like Botox. They just wouldn't talk about it, but everyone was doing it, you know? And so, uh, so this is what we decided to focus on. Let's talk about the treatments that everyone's doing. You kind of pioneered like the educational skincare space too on the internet. Like there weren't really accounts before yours that were highly educational. And I know a lot of people follow you and follow me and that's kind of their their inspiration. They would love to be in the skincare community online. How did you go about becoming so 
knowledgeable about skincare. Someone, you know, someone else following that maybe doesn't have like a technical background, but you you really became an authority in the space. And I think there's a lot of other people who are kind of wondering how to do that. Well, I think being in the industry for a really long time it obviously helps that, right? You learn so much working at the counters, working as a beauty editor. I eventually went off to, you know, when I was starting mixed makeup, sponsorships weren't abundant, right? Like it's it's a crazy thing because I, I feel like content creators constantly are bombarded with with uh, sponsorship opportunities. N- back then, there were no sponsorship opportunities. You'd have to pitch your ideas to the brand because they didn't know how to sponsor you. And so I had to make money somehow while I was building my platforms. And so I became a consultant and a producer for brands, mostly beauty brands for, you know, like celebrities. I created their YouTube channels and then also for dermatologists and plastic surgeons. I helped them build their online presence. And in talking with them and working with them on the, you know, behind the scenes, I came to realize that I was learning a lot about skincare, but I was also helping them translate into layman's terms, right? So it's like a plastic surgeon knows a lot, obviously, about skin or about their procedures. A dermatologist obviously knows a lot about skincare and, you know, diagnosis and all of that, right? But they don't know how to explain it to in layman's terms. And I'm being, I'm obviously generalizing here because we, we have people online all the time now. But at the time, back then, they had no idea how to utilize social media. And so I was always that in between where I would tell them, this is what I need you to say on camera. This is how we're going to portray it. This is what we're going to show. I need you to say it in this way instead of in the way that you just told me. Here are ingredients that are trending right now. Go learn about them. You know, like, because people don't realize this, like dermatologists don't necessarily go and learn about hyaluronic acid per se. Like that's not their expertise and it shouldn't be. They're there to diagnose you or to work on your cosmetic treatments, right? These are really important things that they have to be focused on. And you know this, right? It's, it's, not necessarily something that you get trained on while you're in medical school, right? So obviously anybody can learn about skincare ingredients, but when they're coming out of it, that's not what they were focused on. And so, you know, it was this like translating with them, right? Like here's what's trending. Here's what you see people bring into your, you know, into your office when they come in for an appointment. And that really solidified it in talking with them and learning and trying to figure out how to portray this on the internet. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and a common misconception about, you know, quote unquote, skin experts online. Whether you're, you know, a dermatologist or a PA or an NP, you really have to take that skincare education into your own hands. It's not something you come out of school knowing much about. So, you know, I was lucky that my, the, the dermatologist that I work with is very skincare focused. So that's like a big part of our our office culture. So I came into her office learning about it very quickly. But like you said, we're we're kind of teaching ourselves just like everybody else is. And maybe there's a different foundation, but we still have to learn, you know, just like everybody else does about the skincare ingredients. Yeah. I and obviously because you have that foundation already, it's probably quicker for you to understand. And you can go and break down studies, you know, better than, you know, a person who's never read a study in their life, right? But I think just in general, people have this misconception that you know, I think they they even assume that dermatologists are formulating their own right. products and it's stuff, right? It's kind of funny. So there's, yeah, it's a little bit funny. So that that was really what helped propel me was because I had to focus so much more on the skincare ingredients. And then once I became pregnant with my first child, that's when my skin really took a turn. And for the first time ever, I didn't know what to do with it. Did not know what to do with it at all. And I started looking back on my experiences, everything I'd learned, and then I started sharing what I'd learned as a beauty editor, as a consultant, as a person who worked behind the scenes with dermatologists and plastic surgeons. And that's just how it took off. 
How long into your content creation career did thoughts of starting a brand start to kind of pop up in your head? When did that become an interest of yours? Or did you know from the beginning? No, I I didn't know from the beginning. I did know I was starting... Like, you know, people want to become content creators or influencers, and that is the career goal for them. That was not my career goal. I feel like I've always been really entrepreneurial, and I never thought, I'm just going to be an influencer. I always thought, you know what, I'm starting a platform that will become something bigger. I'm just not sure what it is, right? And I think, um, and you know, you know this, like there, there was a part of me that always wanted to produce other, uh, other talent and even maybe work with other talent. That was always really the goal. But as things were going, I started to realize people wanted to, you know, if they were already learning so much about skincare from me and they were feeling like I knew what they were wanting, right? I was starting to see also, we have access as, as content creators to immense analytics, Right. So you can see purchase habits of your of your followers. You can see, you know, the price points that they're that they're usually buying into. They, you can see the products that they're really interested in. Um, you can see how old they are, how young they are, their even their ethnicity, what parts of the United States or even around the world that they live in. So over time, I've had my channel for almost a decade, which is so wild to think. In May, it'll be a decade. So it's like I have been doing this for a really long time just for myself, not just thinking about what I did as a beauty editor. And so because of that, I started to see that people wanted a skincare line and I started to see the white space. And and when I say the white space, I think sometimes people are too interested in, in looking at, like trying to be o- almost like overly innovative, right? And what I started to see was there was just little things that could be fixed in the industry. People wanted more affordable products, not necessarily products that were really cheap, right? Even though that they do love that stuff too. But they wanted something that made a little bit more sense. They wanted products that made them feel like they were treating themselves and didn't just feel cheap, right? And I think that's the problem with drugstore products. It's not that they don't work well. It's just that they feel a little bit too utilitarian. Like this is just you're buying this almost like you buy your toothpaste. It doesn't feel like a treat. And so there was that aspect of it. And then they they wanted products that felt good, that were really efficacious, and you know just felt like something that they could purchase constantly. And that's really a big deal when it comes to skincare, not as much in makeup, right? You can buy a palette and then never buy it again. And you're good. Like it might even last you for right. two years. And so, but skincare, if you're spending a thousand dollars a month on your skincare routine, you start being a little too precious with your skincare products. You stop being consistent. You might not even be, you, you might not be using the products enough. And so then you don't see results. And I think that's a really big issue in skincare. So this is what I started seeing the most. And so you know, over time, as people started kind of asking, are you going to start a skincare pro- a skincare brand? I would first say no, because I knew how much effort goes into starting a brand. And I just, after seeing friends do it, I was like, I don't think this is something I want to do because it just seems impossible. But I think people start asking enough. And as I start to see that white space, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I think this is it. And you brought up a really good point too about, you know, for any other content creators listening, kind of honing in on your analytics. And that was something I wasn't doing for a long time until actually you brought that up to me. And I started looking and you can learn so much about your audience and really hone in on not only your content, but also, yeah, potentially, you know, plans for the future of what you might, might how you might want to scale your influencer business, what you might want to do in the future, just by seeing who's watching your content, what are they spending their money on? How much are they willing to spend? All those things. So that is such a huge tip for for any other content creators listening. Definitely do a deep dive on your analytics and keep up with it. For sure. And also, this is something that we see with celebrity brands all the time. Not just skincare, but any of the products that they're launching, right? These brands that they're all trying to bank on now. 
um, which is like kind of sad to me because it almost tells me that they've never actually pocketed any money over their careers. But, you know, we, we're seeing celebrities launch skincare brands that just don't make sense, right, for them, their image alcohol lines like JLo. Mm-hmm. It makes zero sense. And I think that same thing goes for content creators. Utilize your analytics to see what people are gravitating to with you. If you decide, and I hear this all the time, people ask me about their potential brands that they want to launch or product ideas that they have. They, they'll bring up something that I'm like, I've never seen you talk about this. Start talking about right. it, right? It's it has to align with your brand, your own personal branding before you can launch something. Yeah, it has to land for your audience in order for it to be ex- successful because at the end of the day when you're starting something, you're going to be your you're going to be your own advertisement, you know, and maybe your only one in the beginning. Yeah. So it's so important that those ideas land. And I I want to get to Natarium, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about your own kind of routine cuz you're super open about different procedures you've tried in the past. You on your channel you share all of this fun content about, you know, different procedures, facials, peels you've done. So the audience wanted to know what, what have you found most impactful for yourself? And maybe what are some things that you would kind of leave behind and not do again? I think you, I mean, you talk about this stuff too. It's always very personal, right? What works for you doesn't necessarily work for somebody else and and all of that. But for me personally, um, I used to love microneedling. I was really into it. Something happened along the way after my second pregnancy where my skin became much more sensitive. I was already dealing with melasma even before pregnancy, but then it started to really surge when I got pregnant after pregnancy. Second pregnancy really made it worse, but something about my second pregnancy made my skin not only more prone to melasma, but much more sensitive. And maybe this was just going to happen. Maybe pregnancy had nothing to do with it, but it was around that time, right after I had my second child that my skin got really sensitive. And then I went and had microneedling done. I was so excited to get it done again. And it ruined my skin. My skin was so sensitive. I mean, I still feel like I'm dealing with, you know, the hyperpigmentation that it left me. And, you know, that that hadn't happened before. So from there, I got really paranoid of cosmetic treatments, especially things like lasers or anything that's really harsh with my skin. So I took a long break. Um, I even went ahead and I dissolved all the filler in my face, not my lips. <laughs> I'm with you there. Go away. <laughs> but the rest of my face, like the tear troughs, I like I, I never even needed tear trough filler. I just did it because it was trendy at the time. And and I looked back and and because of my pregnancies, I really hadn't refreshed my filler. So I had this opportunity to see just what gets left behind. And it was a little bit bumpy and just didn't look great anymore. I felt like it was almost aging me. So I dissolved all my filler. And then I, I decided to just take a break for a second from everything. My skin wasn't necessarily getting better. And so, you know, it was like I was just kind of maintaining with my, my skincare products. And then I eventually gave in. I went to go see Dr. Nina Desai. She's a dermatologist in uh, Manhattan Beach. She, she's one of those people I just like trust with my skin. She knew my journey. She knew how sensitive it was. She convinced me to do Clear and Brilliant, which I w- had sworn off because I felt like that had given me melasma in the past. Uh, and when I look back, it was probably the, the care that I didn't take. <laughs> and so anyway, so she can convince me to do that. I feel like it has made a tremendous difference in my skin. She's gone really gentle with me. I feel like I've just seen such a huge difference. And she's talked me into doing Cosmolon next. Um, Ooh, yeah, okay. which I'm really excited about. Uh, she, she kind of wants me to do it in a time when I have a lot of downtime mm-hmm. that way I can really go for it. 
So that'll be one of the things I do next. I never stopped Botox. So now it's actually not the brand Botox that I use because something during the pandemic caused it to stop working on me. Um, I thought it was because maybe I'd been doing it for so long that I like my body just got used to it. But then there was that study that came out that the COVID vaccine might actually make it less mm-hmm. effective. So yep. that caused me to switch to a different brand. So I've been switching between Javo and um, Xeomin mm-hmm. and it works again, perfectly, just perfectly fine. And so that is a consistent. I like always, always get my tox treatments. And just out of my, for my own curiosity, have you tried Dysport and same thing as Botox? Dysport, it's not nothing. lasting for you? Not lasting nothing. for me. Nothing. That's so Botox interesting. Botox and Dysport are not lasting for me. I I have to go back in in like three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, the, the difference between all the toxins is the protein around them. And then of course, as you know, Xeomin is the naked protein or the naked toxin. There's no protein. So um, I always, that, that does, t- it, it doesn't happen very often, but on occasion I'll have a loyal Botox patient or, or any of them, Dysport included, and it just stops working and we have to kind of switch and something about switching to the other protein, it tends to start working again. So it's interesting that you have it to both Botox and Dysport. But I, I mean, they all, I always tell people, it's like, I actually was joking with my parents because I used to say Coke versus Pepsi and now my patients are like, well, I don't drink soda. So now I say Perrier versus Pellegrino. Like <laughs> it's really your preference. You know, they all work essentially the same way, but um, it's really your preference. And once you find one, you stick with it until of course, Unfortunately, something like that happens. You kind of have to switch it up. But thankfully, we have so many options and there's more coming out all the time. So I know. I just tried Daxify. I got Trap Talks. I saw you saw Sochi. <laughs> Recently, yeah, yeah, I did. I saw Sochi. She, got, she gave me Trap Talks. I haven't really felt it kick in just yet. Yeah, probably um, early. Yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely... I, I'm excited about that. If it works, yeah. I'm so excited. Because I get my migraine know- all the time. Really? So do you notice, you see a trainer, right? For your Mm -hmm. workouts. I'm curious to see if you feel anything different because whenever I tox, I always tox my neck. And whenever I go to Pilates, like the second week when it's first kicking in, it always feels a little bit odd. And then it doesn't affect anything. It just, you know, you have like an odd sensation there. So I'm curious to see if you'll feel that when you're working out with the traps. I I can tell you even after yesterday's personal training session, I feel a little bit more sore in my back. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. And it it probably over time will like encourage you to use other muscles too, which is good because I know when I was really, when I used to do CrossFit a long time ago and my traps were so big just because you kind of like start to rely on that, those muscles. Mm -hmm. So that'll probably help you start to use other muscles a little bit too. Yeah. I'm excited about it. So we'll see. So those are like my go-tos. Tox treatments are, I mean, I always do my crow's feet, but by the way, my, it doesn't even fully make my crow's feet go away anymore because I'm just at that point. So. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, yeah. you know, keeping a little bit is kind of nice as long as it's not, you're not getting those super deep set in lines. That's what I always tell my patients, you know, especially like my younger patients and my male patients. I'm like, it's kind of nice to keep a little bit there just so that it looks more natural, but you're just preventing those deep set lines from forming. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes miss, do you ever watch like 80s movies? And you see someone Gosh. like Sharon Stone, who just yeah. looks amazing. And you can tell she just has a natural looking face. Like mm-hmm. she's not getting Botox or anything because it didn't exist back then. And it's so nice sometimes to see normal lips, you know? Yes. Even though I love having filler in my lips. It's so nice to just see these differences in yes. people's faces. Yeah. Well, and I think I too... For a while, I think we were all kind of chasing the same aesthetic. And I say we, like as a society. And so everyone had the same, you know, lip filler. Everybody had the same cheek filler and everyone was kind of starting to look the same. So I agree. It's really all about assessing your face and and having your provider that you trust assess your face and kind of knowing what's going to enhance it without changing your features. 
Mm-hmm. For sure. So when it comes to your at-home skincare routine, what are your essentials? What's something um, that you'll, you'll never skip? I mean, sunscreen in the morning. You know, even if it's just sunscreen, that's it. That will be, you know, like I will go down that like the last day of my life, I will have put on some sunscreen that mm-hmm. morning, you know, mm-hmm. I'm um, with you. Uh, retinoids. And now that I don't have any pregnancies to ever think about, I will forever have a retinoid in my nighttime skincare routine. And I try not to skip a retinoid any night. I know that people will say that they don't use it every single night, but I, I actually think the goal is to get to a place where you can use it every night. And that's how you know the strength that you're good with, right? Like I've decided I can't do tretinoin because I'm never going to get to every night with it. And so I'm good with my, you know, the products I'm buying from the store, my own brand even, you know, like I I think that I'm fine now. I -hmm. see the difference and I can consistently use my retinoids if I'm not using a prescription strength one. So that's what I go with. So always a retinoid, always sunscreen in the morning. I can't imagine not double cleansing at night. Now, you know, I, I, I think back on those days when I used makeup wipes myself and thought that was the best thing ever. And now I look back and I'm like, ah, I was really not doing any services to my skin at the time. So double cleansing is, is a hard one for me to skip. Even if it's just double cleansing with my regular cleanser, like if I just wore sunscreen that day, I'll go in twice with my regular cleanser and, you know, make sure I get it off. Let's see. I mean, some kind of a humectant, something that hydrates my skin. I've kind of come back around to essences. Like suddenly I can't do without an essence in my skincare routine again. Lately, I'm really into peptides for hydration. I think people are really confused about why they should have peptides in their routines, especially because it's becoming such a popular topic. For me, I always just focus on the fact that peptides are hydrating. At the very least, they're very hydrating for the skin. So I love having peptides in my routine as well. Yeah, those are great. I think we need, I need you to do like a whole episode on peptides because they're, they are very confusing. I think people, there's a lot of confusion around them. But I would say my, my essentials are the same. I also could not imagine not double cleansing. And since you kind of brought brought it up in your own routine, what are your thoughts on skin cycling? Um, I feel or like, like skin, you know, yeah. switching off your retinoid. I, I think that's like the worst thing you can do because for some people like me, your skin takes so long to get used to using it every night or as many nights as possible that to just stop and then have to start that whole cycle again and have, you know, the uglies and any of that stuff that you deal with, like the flaking, the, you know, if it makes you break out a little bit, any of it, the purging, you know, why go through that again? Once you get to that place where your skin is used to it, the consistency is key. And so I, I just, I don't love the concept of skin cycling because it seems like it's just what everybody should be doing when that's not the truth. It's great for anybody getting started. It's great for people with sensitive skin if they really can't tolerate strong actives especially. But once you've got your skincare routine down, the point is to try to accelerate it, right? To the to the point where you can get it, right? You're, you obviously don't want to overdo it and then sensitize your skin and then find yourself back at square one. But you want to be able to get to that point where you're just being so consistent with your products and your routine. So to me, I think scalp cycling or scalp cycling. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably next, honestly. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, skin cycling. Skin cycling to me is is just it's a beginner technique. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And um, Dr. Leslie Bauman, she's a dermatologist I work for. She uh, was on a podcast and said, you know, 
why would I use something that we know is proven? You know, retinoids are the, aside from sunscreen, the most effective anti-aging ingredients that there are. Why would I skip that to use something less effective? You know, it doesn't really quite make sense. So if you're able to tolerate them every night, you know, that's that's absolutely what you should be doing. For sure. And I love adding all these other things. I, that's the other thing I've noticed that's become confusing with skin cycling is people think they can't use certain ingredients with other ingredients when those ingredients work better together, like azelaic acid niacinamide, those kinds of ingredients, peptides, they help each other, right? They help your retinoid, they help your vitamin C, you know? So I think that that skin cycling has made that more confusing too. Yeah. And often I find that when, when there truly are a couple ingredients and there aren't many, but there are a few ingredients that don't really mesh well together. People think that means they can't use them together in their routine at all, which isn't the case. It's just, you don't want to layer them right on top of each other, you know, with no time in between. But if you want to use one in the morning and one at night or on, on different days, you absolutely can. But I think that's a really common misconception about, about ingredients. Everyone is really, I, I get a lot of questions in my DMs about which ingredients can and can't be used together. And I think people are kind of overthinking it a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And the sensitive skin girl, like that that whole thing is is getting old to me. Like I, mm-hmm. I love a sensitive skin moisturizer and everything, but you know, I feel like that, I don't know. It's like overdone now. The simplicity yeah. and, and all of it is just too, it's too much for me now. I want to go back to being a little bit overdone. <laughs> yeah, a little extra. No, yeah. and the truth is that most skin types really can tolerate these ingredients. It's just a matter of finding the right formulations. And like you said, once you do, just sticking with them and that's where you're going to have the best results. Yeah. Are there any at-home devices that you use? Um, I lately have been really into my LED mask. I use the current body one. I was very hesitant to use one. I, I was all about panels, like the professional LED panels. And then when I finally decided to just start using my LED mask, I was like, okay, wait, researching it, looking at the, you know, the power of the lights that they have in the devices and everything, and just realizing how convenient they are. I mean, I, I'm so committed now to my LED mask. <laughs> it's kind of wild. I, I, don't, I don't imagine that's going to go away for a while. I always was a microcurrent girl. I think I, um, because I'm spending that time now using my LED mask, I'm not spending as much time using any of my microcurrent devices, but I always saw a big difference when I did use them. And I still feel like I, use, I see a difference once I get consistent with them again. It's kind of like working out. I feel like the microcurrent devices. And then I have recently started using, I made a commitment to use that Metacube device, the Ager Oh yeah. Device. What do you think um, about that? So there were, you know, you sometimes realize a product is working when you stop using it right? Mm -hmm. Like as you continue using it, you're like, I don't know if I see a difference. So I happened to fall off a little bit for a few days. And then I, I was traveling, I took it with me while traveling, but then I was so busy while traveling, I didn't use it. So there was, um, there were, I had all the same products since I was traveling. Cause sometimes when you're at home, you, you mix it up a little bit, had all the same products, knew how I was, how my skin was feeling the next morning when I'd wake up. But then one of the nights I decided to finally pull out this device again, because it's supposed to help with absorption. The next morning, my skin was so much more bouncy, so much more hydrated and moisturized that I was like, maybe there's something more to this. So I'm going to keep using it. I actually told everybody on Instagram that I would continue using it and let them know my thoughts on it. The funny thing is this, this device has been around forever. And I remember having, I've had several versions of it that were sent to me in PR and I never once opened a box. Like I would send this stuff off. Like, you know, when you have piles that you send off to people Mm -hmm. like as giveaways or to friends or anything, I have sent so many of these off to people and never once used it myself. And then it just suddenly went viral. It's like the power of going viral on TikTok. And 
I just got a surge of questions about whether it's worth it or not. So that's why I started using it. That happens to me all the time with products and devices. I, and I'll, it'll often be something like, oh, I just had one of those and I ended up giving it away to somebody. And then I end up having to go buy it so I can test it for, for the followers. Just But it's true. These things go viral and you get so many questions and then you're kind of obligated to try it and, and report back. So that's interesting. Yeah, I keep seeing this device all over and I haven't even really looked into it. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that you think it might be promising. From what I can tell, the, the devices aren't that different. Like some people were commenting that I was talking about the other device. But I don't think there's any difference in the technology at all in any of their devices. It's That seems to happen a lot with some of these devices. I don't know if it's like they all have similar manufacturers or what it is. But it seems like a lot of times when this when these new devices come up, like even the the structure of them looks the same sometimes. So you're like, I wonder how different they could be. But we'll definitely have to kind of watch and, and see what you think of that after you use it for a little bit longer. Sounds good. This podcast is brought to you by, well, me. Skinthusiast.com is your one-stop shop for all things skin and beauty. We have so many blog posts that you could educate yourself on skincare all day long. If you want a deeper dive, I hold your hand through creating a skincare regimen from scratch in my comprehensive skincare guide, and we have the cutest crewnecks for anyone who's in their skin era. If you're a skin enthusiast, you're going to love it here. Head to skinthusiast.com forward slash shop. One thing that actually you, it's so funny because I actually just emailed Olivia who works with you and asked her if she knows any collagen brands that that you guys are loving because you've kind of convinced me to start trying collagen, which I have not said out loud yet. And I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for because I've always been pretty anti-collagen powders. But you have shared multiple times that meta-analysis that has recently come out kind of reviewing all of these studies on collagen and it seems it might actually be more promising than we initially thought. So that's something you kind of convinced me to try. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, obviously for the longest time, it had to be anecdotal, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that I was talking about, it was like, this is what I'm experiencing. My nails are, I mean, look at them. They're like strong and long and my hair just grows really fast and everything. And I've, I've, really feel like the only thing I'm super consistent with when it comes to supplements, actually, I've gotten really good about being consistent with like my magnesium. And I use a, a supplement called Interglow also that contains um, polypodium. Oh, uh, I love it. polypodium leucotomas. Yes, I take one of those too. Yeah, I love that for whenever I'm going to be in the sun. But oral collagen, which is a lot different from topical collagen, I feel like has a lot of promise. Maybe it's not replacing or actual collagen, but I see a huge difference in my skin and the way it feels, that hydration level. I feel like my hair is better. My skin is better. And also, I was I was also really committed to it because I work out with a personal trainer. I feel like I'm always sore, right? Especially if I take a break because I'm traveling or something and then I come back and start working out hard again. I feel like the studies were always there. Not always, but my, the studies have been there for a while that you know oral collagen supplements can help with that recovery mode, right? Where mm-hmm. you're, you're, I can't even remember what it was that it helps with, but it helps with like your ligaments or something. Don't quote me on this one. <laughs> um, but you know, I, there was always, there were always studies about that at the very least. So I feel like it's worth a try at the, you know, there are so many brands you can go with. I always did vital proteins just because I'm like a trend girl. Like I love, <laughs> I hop on all the trends right away and try them out. But I just ordered a new brand that I wanted to try. It's been out for a little bit, but it's by a content creator named Sasha. 
she goes by Sasha Fitness here in Miami. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, she convinced me to get the chocolate one. She told me that's her favorite. So I, I just ordered it because it's available on Amazon. It's like it's too easy. And I'm going to try that one soon. Oh, good. Okay. Definitely report back. I think I'm going to try the, the vital proteins because you love it so much. Is there an ingredient that you don't use or are not a fan of? Aside from tretinoin. Hmm. No, not at all. I can't think of one ingredient. I know that people will focus in on an ingredient like hyaluronic acid. For some reason, it like got such massive PR behind it that it now has its haters as well. Um, I think that's the wrong way to look at skincare, right? Especially as a brand owner. It's really changed my opinion about looking at ingredients because when you single out an ingredient, then you're not really being open-minded. It's almost lazy, right? To be like, oh, this one ingredient doesn't work. No, it's usually the formula, right? Like you can't just say, unless you have an allergy, that you absolutely know you are allergic to this ingredient, it will hurt you, right? You can't really look at one ingredient in a formula and go, I'm not interested. I hate that ingredient because you don't know what you're missing out on, right? And I think that really good formulation is the key here when it comes to your skincare products. So obviously looking for a retinoid, that is key. But just because you find a a product that that is a retinol product doesn't mean that the formula is good. So you might be obsessed with a a type of ingredient, like I I love a retinoid, right? But the formula of every product is not the same. So you really have to look for that. Some people will tell me they can never use a retinoid. They can never use a niacinamide serum or any product that has niacinamide. That's a little lazy. It might have been the product that you tried. So I I really don't like to, to say that I hate a specific ingredient. It's more that I I think formulas matter. Yeah, that's why I'm not a big fan of like ingredient shopping too. I think, I mean, the main ones, you know, retinoids and vitamin C, of course, but I like kind of shopping by concern and kind of looking at the brand's website and seeing what what they recommend their serum for, what kind of, what types of skin concerns. And I often find that's a lot more effective than singling out, you know, a single ingredient. Yeah. And listen, I think that ingredient, you know, the ordinary, we can always credit the ordinary for this, right? They really popularized shopping for ingredients and actually educating behind what ingredients do. And I think that's been immensely helpful and has changed our industry, like completely changed our industry. But at the same time, it's also caused a lot of confusion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, the education is key, which is why it's, I think, exciting. You know, some of my favorite brands have been founded, had been, have been founded by influencers and experts. And I think they just have such a better way of communicating their thoughts behind the brand and educating on what their products do, which I think is so essential when it comes to tolerating them and, and knowing how to use them in your routine. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about Naturium. I think Naturium is really a revolutionary brand. I think you guys really filled a gap in the market. And I've said this before, but it's truly changed the way I've recommended skincare as a provider. Like you said before, if I was recommending quote unquote drugstore skincare or skincare that you could find at a store like Target, it was like just a cleanser or you know just a moisturizer because it was one that I felt was helpful or, or inexpensive for a skin type. But now we, we can truly create an entire effective routine at such an affordable price, which 
I don't think was always necessarily available, especially not in a cosmetically elegant way. I think a lot of these products, like as you mentioned, were not fun to use. They didn't look pretty on your counter. So a lot of times we had people kind of looking for something more with their routine. And I think Nutrium really filled that gap. It's efficacious, it's affordable, and it's beautiful on your shelf. Thank you. That's the best way to explain it. That's how I tell people all about it. Yeah. And I want to congratulate you because Notorium was was just recently acquired. That's so, so, so exciting. And of course, brought up a lot of questions from my followers. So I would love to know if you could tell us a little bit about it and kind of what we might expect from Notorium going forward. Yeah. I mean, this is a really exciting time for the brand. I think the biggest question we get is when are you coming to X country, right? Like when yes. are you coming to Canada? When are you coming to this country in Europe? When are you coming to this country in Asia? When are you, you know, it's just a constant, right? And I think for for us, you know, people don't realize how much goes into growth as an indie brand. So the biggest change that they can expect is that, you know, being acquired by a bigger com- company like this means that we will have access to more resources and be able to accelerate, right? And so all the things that they've been asking we'll be able to focus on that now, right? We'll be able to hire more people, give our current employees more um, more resources and just give them some breathing space too because they work really hard when they're a teeny tiny team doing you know the things that big teams do. Um, and really nothing's going to change other than that, right? Like I see people say like, are the formulas going to change? It's like this guarantee to them, but nothing is changing. I'm staying on in the same capacity. We are going to still be the same team. We're operating out of our office in Los Angeles. And really, Elf becomes our parent company, which we're so excited about because it is such an incredible company. That's so exciting. And and one of the most common questions, exactly as you mentioned, was, you know, when are we going to have it available here? When are we going to have it available there? So, and you had mentioned to me that that was one of the most exciting things about this acquisition was that they were going to be able to take Notarium, hopefully global. And that's really, really exciting to get, you know, this product in the hands of, of so many people who are going to benefit from it. So I know that there's a huge cult following aside from people who could even get their hands on it. So that's really, really exciting news. Yeah, we're pumped about it. I I can't wait to see what's in store. And one question I got about the brand in general is how are you able to make such efficacious formulations and keep them affordable? I think it's a common misconception that skincare has to be expensive in order to to be effective. Yeah. What I want to remind people is that most of the prices are made up and they're very, very marked up, right? In all of beauty. And, um, that always stood out to me as a beauty editor, especially because I would see what it really costs to make a formula versus what they were charging for it. And it just became this norm to overcharge for skincare products, right? Especially skincare products. They, I mean, it's just, there's no such thing as a $300 skincare product. I guarantee you, I don't know what you could possibly put into it that would make it cost that much money. Right. Um, and so this always just really stood out to me. So we're not actually struggling. That's like, I think people wonder if we're having a hard time creating these formulas and, you know, like charging what we charge. We're just charging what we probably should be charging is what Mm -hmm. it comes down to. Right. If it's any lower than what we're charging, then, you know, there are things that might be missing, like the cosmetic elegance, right. The packaging, that kind of thing. But people don't realize this. A lot of brands, especially prestige brands will spend more money on the packaging than they do on the actual formula, right? We spend 80% of our COGS, which is the cost of goods, right? We spend the majority of our, of our um, money, our budget for a product 
on the actual formula, 80% of that versus the actual packaging. So you'll see we have really streamlined packaging, right? It's not something that changes too often. All of our body wash bottles are the same. All of our lotion bottles are the same. Our sunscreen moisturizers, like they all have the same tube, right? We really try to streamline this. That way we're not spending so much time and money on the packaging, but we can still have taste, right? Like you, you don't have to be you know, you don't have to have something that's ugly. You can have something that still looks nice and just keep it really simple and streamlined. And we spend the majority of our money on formulas. Do we sometimes run into, you know, like where we're, we're having a hard time creating the exact product that we want because of our budgets? Very rarely, which is something that blows people's minds, right? We are creating our products right next to some of the biggest brands you can think of. Like when you walk into our contract manufacturer, you see those brands going down the line as well. And I'll tell you what, they're starting to copy us, right? <laughs> like it's, it's, they're realizing this, is, this wasn't the strategy to have these mm-hmm. overpriced brands, right? It was, let's create something that's efficacious and that people feel like they, they feel really good about spending their money on regularly, right? Like they feel like it's worth it. So we're never really struggling. It's, this is just what prices probably should be when it comes to skincare products. Now, if we wanted to really jam pack something with like every active ingredient that you could think of, that might be out of our, our budget, right? But for the most part, we're creating beautiful formulas that any brand could create. Yeah. And that's where that education piece really comes in because the brand is really great at educating the consumer on how to use the products and how to mix and match for their skin type and their concerns. And, you know, back to, back to that budget piece, I, even coming from someone who actually doesn't usually buy most of my skincare products, most of them are sent to me. Even if I know it's a $200 vitamin C serum, I use a little bit less, you know? But when I use my Naturium products, which I've personally gone in and repurchased over and over again, especially, you know, like the sunscreen I talk about is one of my favorites. The Retinol to Hide is one of my favorites. I'm not, I don't skimp out, you know? I don't, I'll use it all over my face, my neck, and my chest because I know that it's affordable for me to go back and, and buy another one and and I can be consistent with it and I'm not skimping, skimping or skipping, you know? I know I'm using it effectively. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I do want to tell people is um, I still believe in indie brands, right? And if you see an indie brand that costs way more than what we're charging, there's some fairness there. That is the one place where I'm like, you know what, it's fair because the difference with indie brands, and even though Naturium was an indie brand up until this moment, um, I had an investor from the get-go, right? I think people don't realize that sometimes. I wasn't bootstrapping this this brand. So I had budget to start creating, you know, more and more products and everything. And, and in that, in turn, I got to create, I, I, sorry, in turn, I got to place bigger orders, right. Mm-hmm. And having a built-in following helped with that too. So then my pricing comes down a lot more, right. Indie brands place much smaller orders in the, in the beginning, especially if they don't have someone who's been online talking about skincare for years and years and already comes in with a built-in following. If they're truly starting from scratch and bootstrapping, then they're going to probably have to have higher prices because that they legitimately are spending that much more money. Right. That's a really good point. And, and it, you know, there's a hundred different ways to, to start a business and, and you really have to make that decision from the beginning if you're going to accept that outside money. But it sounds like it's really allowed Notarium to kind of go above and beyond and meet the goals of the consumer that maybe wouldn't be possible without it. Yeah, for sure. And for somebody who's just starting with a brand, what are maybe the top three products? Again, this is going to be very personal, but if you, what are your top three favorites? let's say from the brand. I know that's hard because there's many products and they're like your children, but you know, what's a good introduction to the brand? Um, I would get either one of our body washes that you can also use on our, on your face, right? Like the Glow Getter 
people love. I would get something like that or our niacinamide cleansing chalet. People love that cleanser. Just you need a good cleanser in your life. I would start with that. The second thing I would get is one of our sunscreens. We have a sunscreen that's great for people with oily skin. And we have a sunscreen that's great for people that want more of that dewy glow that you love. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'd go with one of our our serums, like um, our retinaldehyde, like you said, that's by far one of our you know top selling products because retinaldehyde is such a great in between of your normal retinol and, you know, tretinoin or prescription retinoids. Or even if you're, you know, interested in trying a vitamin C or something, we have a wonderful vitamin C. It's our top selling product, our vitamin C complex. Um, And it works for a lot of skin types too. What is, aside from Turium, what would you say is your holy grail? It could be a beauty product, a hair product, or a skincare product. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to, to current body right now, because that is a product that I use so much, very, very consistently from Naturium. I would say that our retinol, our retinol complex cream, which is not one of our most popular products, okay. by the way, um, our retinol complex cream is one of my favorite, favorite products. It has been from day one. It is moisturizing. It's, you know, a great one and done. Like if you just want to cleanse your face at night and you're so tired, but you need to get your retinoid in. It's perfect because it acts as your moisturizer. It's got a really great uh, encapsulated retinol in it. We just did clinicals on our retinol complex serum, which is essentially the same thing, but in serum form. And the results are phenomenal. It's like a big win for encapsulated retinoids. You know, I can't wait to share all of that, that information, but it's the same thing then for our retinol complex cream. And I swear, I see a huge difference in my skin when I'm consistent with it. So if there's one product I had to choose, it would be that. Or maybe our retinol body cream because you can use it on your face. Right. I love the the body products because like you said, they, they're huge. First of all, you get so much product out of them and they can be used on the face. I keep both the salicylic and the glycolic in the shower. The salicylic, I love applying like on my back after I rinse out my hair mask so that I don't get any acne back there. And I'll use it kind of, I rarely use salicylic acid cleanser, but I'll use it if I'm just feeling kind of clogged just around the nose. I'll just kind of lather it on or let it sit while I'm doing something else in the shower. So I love having those products in the shower just because they're so easy to use. You can use them everywhere. And it's kind of like a really nice versatile product to have. And my husband loves them too. You know, they're like easy. If there's something you need your husband to, you're like, you're trying to get him into skincare. Those are a really nice, easy first step because it just looks like, you know, it just looks like a regular body wash. Yeah. You know what? Our body washes have really grown our male demographic. We're at 40% now male demographic. So we we almost are half and half women and men. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's very rare. That's yeah, really, I have, really cool. I have a feeling it has something to do with those body washes though, because yeah. you hear this story all the time. Like my husband goes through all my body washes now. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the affordability of them makes it makes it easy to not skimp on them and you can use them as much as you want without feeling guilty about it. <laughs> and that is the point. That is the point that I want everyone to always remember is that I want them to co- be consistent with their products. And this is the reason why we're, we're pricing it like this. I love that. And what, what would you say is your most underrated skincare tip or skin tip in general after decades of doing being in the business? What would you say is something that maybe people aren't doing that can make a big difference in their skin? Um, I think I see too many people talk about the cleanse not being as important. I'll even see people say like, you don't have to, like your, your cleanser doesn't matter. Just get any cleanser that you want to use. And it's so not true. Your cleanse is the foundation for your skincare routine. If you don't properly cleanse your skin and get everything off, 
But if you also then strip your skin, right, or make your skin feel irritated after using a cleanser, you're not setting the right base for the rest of your skincare routine. So I feel like your cleanse is so important. It's the reason why I preach the double cleanse, why I tell people not to use makeup wipes as their only cleanse as well. You want to have a perfect cleanse. A perfect cleanse to me is you've gotten everything off, your skin feels nice and bouncy and fresh, and you do not have any irritation. And then you're going into your skincare routine perfectly. I love that. I find that to be a huge problem with patients that come into the office who have tried other, you know, like maybe they're they're on an acne medication and they went back to their previous prescriber and said, well, what, what cleanser, what moisturizer should I use with this? And they're told it doesn't matter. And I'm like, it absolutely matters. It makes or breaks the entire routine and whether or not you can even tolerate that product. So I wholeheartedly agree. I think the cleanse is so, so, so important. And once you find that right cleanser for your skin type and your concerns, it's like, you really don't stray because it, it works so well and you can, you can see a difference. And, you know, I think another misconception about cleansing is that that these active cleansers with active ingredients don't do anything. And that's oh, yeah. so far from the truth. You know, I think, you know, a nice glycolic acid cleanser, I love for my melasma patients or my patients with hyperpigmentation. So there's so much you can do with your cleansing routine that can be impactful for your skincare routine. Absolutely. I love that answer. And last question, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? That's always a tough one. What would I tell my younger self? You know, I think I would tell my younger self that we're going to do it, right? Like everything that I ever thought or imagined, we're going to do it. And we're just going to have to keep, you know, even on those harder days, just keep on going because it's going to be worth it in the end. Um, You know, this is a funny thing. I tell people all the time, I don't know what imposter syndrome feels like at all. And it's not because I'm not a humble person. It's not because I I feel like I, you know, I, I don't know. It's not any, it has nothing to do with that. It's that I feel like I have always known that I want to accomplish a lot in my future. I've always really set goals and I have worked so hard to get there that I can't imagine not accomplishing those goals, right? So whenever I say to people, you know, they're like too hard for every aspect of my career that it's just, you ever feel imposter syndrome? I never have felt imposter syndrome because I know I have worked so like, I don't know, I, I guess I would go back and tell my younger self that it was worth it. All that hard work and the grind was totally worth it. I think that's a great note to end on. And and you're really truly a testament to what hard work hard work can do, especially as a woman founder. I mean, you like you did it. It, it it's so exciting. I'm so excited for you and and the brand is so incredible and and you've just made so many strides and and I'm I'm super, super happy for you. Really, really truly. I appreciate all the support from you. You have been so amazing. I love watching you grow on social media and I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for coming on and and all of the amazing insight for the audience. Anytime. I think we definitely need a part two of this episode because there were so many pearls of skincare wisdom here. You can get 15% off Natarium.com with code AmyK15. And if you want an affordable skincare freebie where I break down an efficacious drugstore skincare routine from start to finish, head to skinthusiast.com forward slash affordable skincare. Mm-hmm.